Alexander. Shabbat for three. Bingo! Butler will get it for the win. Butler will get it for the win. Butler will get it for the win. He is hard to believe. Here's Jordan. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another post-game recap. NBA Playoffs 2022. Second round. Game ones. Two of them tonight. But before we get started, please make sure to subscribe on YouTube at Dime Dripper Podcast, Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Spotify and, of course, to follow us on all social media platforms at Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Dime Dropper Pod. For tonight's episode, we got two games, two game ones tonight. One between the Philadelphia 76ers, the fourth seed in the Eastern Conference, against the number one seeded Miami Heat. And then the same matchup on the other side with the number one seeded Phoenix Suns and the number four Dallas Mavericks. Let's start out with the Miami Heat and the Sixers. So obviously no Joel Embiid, and we know what that means. He's been arguably the best player in the league this season. Oblique, fra- I'm sorry, orbital fracture. And so he's gonna, he was out. He's going to be out for the first two games at least. So everybody's saying the same thing. It's going to take a vintage James Harden performance for the Sixers to win or for the Sixers to even get close, and we did not get that. James Harden absolutely was not good enough, but it wasn't just him. It was a huge barrage in the second half from the Miami Heat that kind of took the game over, but it was also just a case of a mismatched talent. But let's get into specifics. Super Chats are turned on, by the way, for the live subscribers. If you want to drop a dollar a dime, I will also be talking about, obviously, the Suns and the Mavs, but a little bit on my L.A. Kings, who came out with the victory tonight in our first playoff game since 2018. We got swept that year. So if I'm not mistaken, that may be our first playoff win since the Shark Series? in 20. Was that 2016? I think it was 2016 we played the Sharks and lost four games to one. But whatever. Let's start with the Philadelphia 76ers and the Miami Heat. So I've been saying, as I said in the preview of the, la- of the last episode, that the Heat switch everything strategy. They're going to do the same thing to James Harden. They're going to throw so many bodies at him, and they're going to make him work for everything. And you start to see a little bit of that in the beginning of the game. Bam Adebayo, Max Strus, Gabe Vincent, Jimmy Butler, P.J. Tucker. All five were getting a look at James Harden. And the thing is, James Harden actually wasn't playing as selfishly or as ball-dominant as I thought he was going to play, or maybe that he should have been playing. I thought he was letting Maxi get his shots, letting Tobias get his shots, and overall, it was actually working in the first half. If you look at the first half of it as a Sixers fan, you'd think, you'd say that was a good half of basketball. The one thing, though, that didn't bode well for Philly was the start of the game. And a big reason for that was that Glenn Rivers, for whatever reason, I mean, no other reason that besides that he's Glenn Rivers, is stuck in like 2015 and has this DeAndre Jordan affinity. Like, hey, man, let's let's do this like it's Lob City and we're getting a second chance at this. No. DeAndre Jordan is old. He's washed. And he was looking awful in the beginning, just not nearly as young and spry as Bam Adebayo, who was catching lobs, rolling to the basket, finishing, putting, following up Jimmy Butler misses on pick and rolls when they were in drop coverage. You know, DJ, he was going Kwame style. Didn't catch the ball one time in the first couple of minutes. 
I'm pretty sure you got to travel or something, or either an offensive foul or a travel or a moving screen. Let's I'm pretty sure, let's see how many turnovers he had. See, two turnovers. He played 17 minutes, and I know the, I'm pretty sure those two turnovers were right in the beginning of the game. The Miami Heat, so Bam Adebayo, very lively in the beginning on the offensive glass, on the on the boards, caught a lob from Gabe Vincent, who started in place of the injured Kyle Lowry, who, by the way, was very active on the sideline, just very into the game, so you love to see that from a teammate. But I thought Gabe Vincent was doing okay, just at least he's a threat, you know, creating and pick and roll. He's got a great jump shot, so you got to honor that. And Jimmy Butler, though, overall was the guy that was setting the tone in the beginning in terms of ball handling for the Heat. Got into the mid-range area a couple of times, found Bam for some nice rolls, and even hit a three in the beginning. The Heat were up 18-6, to six, hit, hit him with the first punch, 25-11. to 11. But the Sixers competed, and you had to love that. You know, DeAndre Jordan came out of the game. They put in Paul Reed. He played 13 minutes. You saw them go to more switch everything. And you also saw them go to a zone, which Kenny and Chuck were talking about on the show and disagreeing with. I actually think the zone threw Miami off for a little bit. And it was so shocking to me that, like, again, it's funny because the Heat were the ones that busted out the zone on the Celtics in 2020. And they're a team that actually can play. I've seen them play zones for kind of extended stretches. And they are doing the same thing I criticize other teams of doing. Just running high pick and roll or high pick and pop as if as if they're still in man. Like, what happened to, to the basic principles of moving the ball, putting a guy in the high post, and finding an open shot with a couple of ball reversals swinging it? And the funny part is, when they went to that, they sat, I think it was P.J. Tucker or Bam at the high post, Gabe Vincent got like a wide open layup, or Caleb Martin got an open layup. I think it was Caleb Martin. It's like, I don't know why this is, they act like this is rocket science. They don't want to play basketball that way. They want to continue with this high pick and roll nonsense, but it's, it's, it's mind boggling to me. I don't know if that's a coach thing. I'd figure the coaching staff should be like, dude, guys, just move the ball like college basketball style, but whatever. Stupid will be stupid. But the Sixers overall with that zone and they and that small ball lineup did some work. You know, it obviously spread the floor a little bit as well. Tobias Harris and, and, and Tyrese Maxey were able to get into the paint a bit, score. Tyrese Maxey had a little bit of a tougher night than normal. But Tobias Harris was just awesome in terms of offense and especially in the first half. He was being really physical and getting his shoulder into guys and creating separation that way. He's really good at that. And turning, turning over his right shoulder, which he's also been very good at. He kind of can hit turnarounds over both shoulders. Good footwork. And Tobias was doing his thing. Absolutely doing his thing. Tobias, uh, Tyrese Maxey and James Harden had a nice run at the end of the first half. Harden was able to get to the basket a bit. Although I didn't like his approach in terms of his shot his shot chart kind of thing. Like his first three shots were all step back threes. And part of that is because he just cannot get the step the same way he used to. He just can't. But at times he still does. So there's no reason for him to settle so much. But he's just out of shape compared to what he used to be. He gets tired easily. He doesn't have the same lift in his jumper. But that being said, the Heat were turning the ball over and playing pretty stupidly, shooting the first three that they saw. No Duncan Robinson tonight at all. Coach's decision. But they were shooting some of the first threes that they saw. Max Drews didn't have a good shooting night tonight. He was two for eight, one of seven from deep. So and then Gabe Vincent was one of seven from deep. They were nine for 36 from three. So I thought a lot of them were good shots, but some of them were kind of rushed in the first half and just they could have moved the ball a little bit more. Bad decisions, turnovers. And part of that was that zone. And the Philadelphia 76ers actually led 51 to 50 at halftime, but it absolutely didn't continue. In the second half, the Heat turned up the Heat. <laughs> Tyler Hero was unbelievable all game. I think he was my 
either him or Bam, but he was my player of the game. He was scoring in pick and roll. He was getting into the mid-range. And you saw the Sixers go back to man in the second half. And they kind of got cooked. And they were going to get cooked regardless. But Tyler Hero was hitting deep threes. Deep. He hit this one that was at least a 30-footer. And Tyler Hero, he had a great first-round series against Atlanta. He had a great season. He's going to win sixth man of the year. You saw a little bit of Gabe Vincent, a little bit of Jimmy Butler. Even though Jimmy didn't have the most efficient night, he was still making plays, still making good reads. Had... He only had three assists, but he was still making plays. He's still a threat on those pick and rolls. And but I did you know one thing I did notice about Jimmy Butler though tonight? He got blown by I counted three times, but it may have been more. But he counted I, he got blown by three times. Which is rare. His on ball defense, I expect him to be a little bit better. But the Heat, they were up by eight after three, thirty to twenty one in favor of them in the third quarter. And then in the fourth quarter, just more Tyler Hero. He kind of shut the door, was getting off, making some tough shots. And the zone was weak when the Heat woke up. The Sixers had a four-minute scoring drought in the fourth. They couldn't get anything. James Harden only shot four times in the second half. He couldn't get anything. So shout-out to everybody on the Heat. P.J. Tucker, Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo was holding it down. And Bam Adebayo went 8 for 10. Probably the player of the game for me. 24 points, 12 rebounds. His, his switchability, his rim protection, he's just fantastic. Four assists, two steals, and a block, plus 26 and all his shots were in the paint. He didn't settle. He had a, His first basket was a beautiful turnaround over the left shoulder. He didn't have many ISO looks. He had two of them, and he made them both. He should have really been 9 for 10. He missed a putback layup from point-blank range, but he was awesome. I thought this was one of his best games of the playoffs, if not the best so far. Jimmy Butler was inefficient, but I thought he was pretty good overall. 15 points, 9 rebounds, 5 for 16 shooting, 1 of 4 from 3. He can do without the four three-point attempts. 4 for 4 from the line. And P.J. Tucker against his former teammate. And one thing you noticed about Harden, he doesn't really have that much in his in his toolbox, man. It's just tween. It's the same thing. I always thought he was predictable and abused rules, but had more had was just quicker. Tween cross, tween cross tries to lull you to sleep. If you reach, he tries to blow by you and get into your body to get a foul. If you force him right, which a lot of people like to do, he likes to get into the step back that way. When he's going left, he doesn't really love getting into the step back. Sometimes he'll pull back, but usually he's trying to go into your body if he's going left. If he's going right, he likes to get into that step back or try to lock your arm with his left hand and throw yourself, throw himself at him or throw himself at the defender. He has little tricks, but if I was if I'm the defender, I would play him a little bit to his right, but don't give him the lane. Just play him a little bit to his right and try to bait him into that step back because he likes that on the right-hand side when you're playing him that way. And you're going to live with the results overall cuz he's going to get fatigued. He was getting tired tonight. I think that's part of the reason why he only shot four times in the second half. He got gassed cuz the Heat are going to be physical. The Heat are going to have multiple PJ Tucker's doing a job, you know. He's going to give him a tough time all series. PJ had 10 points, 4 for 9 from the field, 2 for 4 from 3, and especially the first quarter when the Heat went up 18 to 6, PJ was everywhere. He was lively on defense, forcing turnovers on Harden, and Harden had, let's see how many turnovers he had tonight. 5. So there you go. 5 assists, 5 turnovers, 16 points, 5 for 13 from the field, 2 for 7 from 3, and only 4 of 4 from the line. And I liked it because there was one time where Harden just did not get the step on, on P.J., locked his arm and tried to just throw himself at P.J. and got an offensive foul, and it just put the biggest smile on my face. Like, that dude just tries every one of these little tactics to try to get fouled. He just doesn't play basketball, and now that he's lost a step, you're starting to see it, and it's just beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. He's passed it, and this – he. We'll see what happens in this series, but there's no reason why the Heat shouldn't go up 2 nothing with, with this Embiid situation. He's not the same as what he used to be. His prime was 2000, I want to say 14, 15 was the start, but really wasn't. It was really when D'Antoni came. 
So about three years, three really fantastic offensive years, heliocentric ball. Four years, you want to talk 2020, but dead and gone now. Not to say that he didn't have good years, great years in 15, 14, 13, and even last year before the injury, but that hamstring clearly took a toll on him. 106-92 is the final in Game 1. The Miami Heat continued to be undefeated at home in this in these playoffs. Tobias Harris was the best performer for Philly. He had 27 points on 11 of 18 shooting, 1 for 4 from deep, and 4 of 5 from the line. Six rebounds to go along with it. Danny Green only had 5 points, only got 6 shots off, was 1 of 5 from deep. And then Tyrese Maxey, he had 19 points. He was 6 for 6 from the line, but 6 for 15 from the field. So only 40% shooting, and then one for six from deep. The Sixers as a team shot six for 34 from three. Just terrible shots in the four in the fourth. Just all threes. Just really all threes. No, not making the defense work. And a perfect epitome of that. There's no bench either for the Sixers. Absolutely no contributions off the bench. You got Tyler Hero and Caleb Martin coming off. I mean, Caleb Martin's giving you six points, but he's also giving you good defense. And also Victor Oladipo. I shouldn't forget about him. Played 27 minutes tonight. Played some solid defense. And just even though he's 0 for 5 from 3 it's just another guy that can can handle the ball can play make and pick and roll a bit but Tyler Hero 25 points 9 for 17 shooting and 4 for 6 from deep he was awesome 3 for 3 from the line and 7 assists and zero turnovers so fantastic night for Tyler Hero but yeah for the this is a perfect epitome of the Sixers night right here 22 minutes for George Niang Donut over seven from the field, and funny enough, it was plus six in the plus minus, but that's why plus minus does not tell the full story. He was not, he was nothing. Sixers lose it, as I said, 106 to 92. And yeah, we're on to game two. Let's move on now to the nightcap, the second of the doubleheader Dallas and Phoenix. I had the Phoenix Suns winning the series in seven games, and tonight they played pretty damn well. First quarter. They started out similar to how the Miami Heat started through the first punch. And Devin Booker was back, no minutes restriction, played 38 minutes, looked like the Devin Booker that we're accustomed to, like the Devin Booker we saw in Game 2 against New Orleans. And in the first quarter, I was getting kind of New Orleans vibes from Book. He was getting off in every single way. First play, that hesitation he does when he's in transition because he's that transition three is really believable and you know he can hit it. So you step up, he has that hezzy and goes all the way. He had his first bucket that way. And then the first couple baskets, you could see that the Phoenix Suns defense was going to be totally different than the Utah Jazz. Luka Doncic, by the way, I tracked here. I'm going to read the first couple possessions. These are the first quarter half court possessions from the Dallas Mavericks. I want you to tell me in the comments what you guys think of these. Ready? Luka, Spain, pick and roll. Turnover. By the way, Suns defended this really well. Chris Paul, Mikhail Bridges, who started out on Luka, but Mikhail, Aiton, Chris Paul, and Jay Crowder. Devin Booker didn't really guard him much, but all those guys, and Cam Johnson, they just did a, despite what the stats say, they made life, they did not let him get easy stuff. Easy stuff, I'll tell you that, especially in the first quarter. But here we go. Luka Spain pick and roll, turnover. Luka shot. Luka high pick and roll, turnover number two. By the way, Booker with a nice lob to Bridges for that 4 nothing. And then Brunson ISO versus DeAndre Ayton on a switch. Missed. Luka high pick and roll. First basket after trailing 9 to nothing. Luka high pick and roll. Leads to a Luka ISO. Luka high pick and roll. Luka high pick and roll. Luka high pick and roll. Luka pick and pop. Dinwiddie gets the ball with five seconds left on the shot clock and turns it over. 18 to 6, Phoenix. Timeout, Dallas. So you tell me what you think of that. 
But the the Suns are doing a good job playing with a lot of pace. Mikael Bridges, you know he can get out and run. Jay Crowder in transition for those threes. And finally, Jay Crowder had a game tonight where he was hitting shots. He only got six of them, but he made his first four. 11 points, all of which were in the first half. Eight rebounds, three assists. You know he's going to be active on defense and be able to switch on to multiple guys. Multiple guys, including Luka, who he blocked on one occasion tonight. But he, finally, after a tough series against New Orleans. But anyway, come back from the timeout. So one thing, that, one, one reason why this the Mavs were struggling with that pick and roll. Luka behind pick and roll is usually amazing offense. Usually gets you a good shot. Well, this is where we talk about DeAndre Ayton. You know they're going to play drop coverage. The Mavs are going to do the same thing. But the Ayton is better in that drop coverage than Powell. He's a better rim protector. He's stronger. And he's just more posi- He's more aware and plays angles better and knows where to be. And you also have to talk about the Phoenix Suns' length getting over those screens. Mikael Bridges is everywhere on defense. He's getting over those screens. And a lot of times those in drop coverage, those are forcing kickouts and, and letting the Suns' wings get out and force them up, run them off the line, make them make multiple plays. The Suns' rotations are really good. They make you make the extra pass and all that kind of stuff. But Luka is capable of making those reads. Unlike these, some of these smaller guards, in, you know, in the case of Donovan Mitchell and them, Luka can see over the defense. He's tall. He's very physical. He does a great job of keeping the defender getting over the screen behind him. And Luka was finding guys for open shots. But when Dwight Powell was in the game early, he's a pick-and-roll man. So they can pack that paint and then get out to the shooters, which are Reggie Bullock and Dorian Finney-Smith. And Luka was getting in, in some tough positions. And in the beginning of the game, I thought Luka was neglecting the mid-range a bit the first couple of shots, the first, those first couple of possessions. And that's part of the reason why he was getting turnovers. And Luka has the exact same thing as LeBron, where his release is kind of over his head to the left, where he can't stop on a dime going to his right. Kind of the same way I say about Chris Paul going to his left. But I don't think that has, with Chris Paul, I don't think it has much to do with his mechanics. I think maybe they do. I have to look cl- more closely at that. But he, actually tonight he did hit a... As close to a stop on a dime as you can see from him, but it was with with space in front of him. You know, he kind of does set his feet. It's not like with a guy right next to him stopping on a dime, but it was it was pretty close to it. I don't know if it's mechanics with Chris Paul, but pay attention. I've I've been saying that for a while. However, Luca he likes going to his left when he goes to that jump shot. When he goes to his right, he likes getting into your chest. And he did that a lot tonight. He was so strong going to the rim. He had a big first half points wise. I just thought that it took a while in the beginning because you were just seeing the way that the Suns were going to guard him. And by the way, DeAndre Ayton's ability to late switch on those drops on that drop coverage. Sometimes he's left when Luca pulls it back out, and he was left guarding him. And he guarded Brunson well. He guarded Luca well. He was just everywhere, Ayton. And then on the offensive end, you know, getting jump hooks, showing his size is going to be an issue in this series. Turnarounds over the right shoulder, skill. You know, you're finding out this. The Clippers found out last year, and the Mavs are finding out this year the difference between playing Rudy Escargobert in a series and then playing Aiton. For me, I take Aiton as the player because both ends of the court. I just don't think. I just don't think a skilled big man. When I'm talking skill, I'm talking mid range jump hooks, the ability to dump it down in the post and get a bucket, the ability to have barbecue chicken when it's when it's a small guy switched on to you. That's a luxury that the Suns have that a lot of teams do not have. And Aiton, when he plays like this, the Suns may be the best team in the league. Rudy Escar-Gobert, I don't give a shit about this French national team's excuse anymore. If you really had the confidence in yourself in that bag, first of all, he just doesn't have the post fundamentals. Let's be serious. He doesn't have the post fundamentals. I don't care what he showed in that Olympics. I, don't, I just don't give a shit because he's had enough chances to prove it at this point. I, the, I know Donovan Mitchell and all these guys are selfish. Yeah, I, you know what I'm saying? 
ugh, last year, this year, it doesn't matter. DeAndre Ayton has more skill. You can take Escar Gobert if you want, you know, great defender, as amazing defender. But I don't think Ayton's a bad defender. I think Ayton's pretty decent in space as well. I think he protects the rim pretty well. And in the playoffs, I'm taking Ayton. I'm sorry. That's my opinion. You can disagree in the comments. But Ayton was making a difference. Jump hooks, turnarounds, dump offs. If the defense is in rotation and you get somebody switched on to him late, oh, Jalen Brunson's rotating onto me. I'm going to put my hands up high. Let me get this layup. It's, you know, it doesn't have to be Jalen Brunson either. Spencer Dinwiddie, you name it. He was doing it. CP3, by the way, his defense was very impressive. You know, that when I said Spencer Dinwiddie caught the ball with five seconds left and turned it over, that's because Chris Paul stripped him. Chris Paul, after game one of the Pelican series, he's really turned it up. Actually, no, I think it was game two. After game two of the Pelican series, he's really turned it up on defense. But as I said, Devin Booker in the first quarter, scorching in every single way, getting to the elbow, fall away three. But you know what was the change? Maxi Kleba coming in for Dwight Powell, and now they had a pick-and-pop threat. So here's what we had after the timeout when they were down 18-6. to Luka pick-and-pop with Kleba. Turns into a Luka iso. Dinwiddie pick-and-pop. Brunson catch-and-shoot with the two of the shot uh, to beat the shot clock. So the thing about Brunson is he started out 0 for 3, but two shots were within one second of catching the ball. One of them was a layup where Booker blocked him from behind on a great defensive rotation. That's fine. You know, you're under the basket. You go for the layup. You get blocked, goes out of bounds, big big fucking deal. You know, it's not on Brunson. That's that's fine. Then he misses a shot that he usually makes, but quick shot. Hasn't really touched the ball much at all. I just described to you all those possessions that Luka, Luka had that Brunson was just watching along with everyone else. Now, I don't know if that's... I'm not blaming Luka fully. I don't know if that's by design. If Kid said, let's just go high pick and roll with Luka every time down in the beginning. Uh, or if that was a Luka thing. But So, Brunson started off 0 for 3. So, we had Luka pick and pop. And then Brunson got a second foul on an offensive foul that I thought was very, very harsh in my eyes. And it got him his second foul. So, then it became Luka high pick and roll. Luka pick and pop. Luka pick and pop. Luka iso. Luka iso drive and kick. Dinwiddie iso. Luka iso. And, you know, it was okay. They were getting decent shots. A lot of Maxi Kleba threes. He was super hot from three. Let's see how many he made the whole game. He made, I think, four in the first half, though. Five in the game. So he went six for nine from the field and five for eight from three. Shades of game two against the Jazz. But Luca, it was just he was just doing everything, you know. And Brunson sat out the rest of this. Actually, no, Brunson came back in, I believe, and got his third foul, and that was tough. That was really tough. But th- those were all the first quarter looks, and after the first quarter, they were down by 10, 35-25. Cam Johnson, by the way, came in, played strong defense, making shots. You know how he does it. But a lot of Luca for me in the first quarter. A lot of Luca. Second quarter, still the same thing. Maxi Kleba hitting threes. Luca was using his body well, getting into those creaks and crevices in that drop coverage and, you know, just weaving. He just plays at his own pace. He's so patient, knows how to use his body super well, keep the defender behind him, and just makes life hell for those bigs in the drop coverage. But, you know, somebody, some something about the Suns tonight they had trouble with in the Pelican series. Their bench wasn't great outside of JaVale McGee and I guess Cam Johnson. But this game tonight... They got 19 really solid minutes from Cam Payne, especially in the second quarter. He was getting to the basket, hit a couple of floaters, hit one three. He was four for eight from the field tonight, nine points, five assists, creating that pick and roll. And the Suns were just moving the ball so well, especially in the second half. But Cam Payne giving them those minutes was very big. And in the second quarter, 
As I said, Jay Crowder continued to hit. Cam Johnson. Chris Paul ended the quarter well. The Mavs, I mean, Luka started getting really going in the second quarter. And there was a stretch where Luka came out to start the quarter where Brunson and Dinwiddie had a little bit more of a chance to kind of try to get themselves going. And Brunson missed... You know, you could tell with Brunson, when he was against Jay Crowder, Mikael Bridges, or Ayton, that ISO, I would not go at it if I was if I were him. Because the length, this is not Donovan Mitchell, Boyan Bogdanovich, and Mike Conley. This is, or Jordan Clarkson. These are proper wing defenders. Ayton is huge. I just think that that's not a favorable matchup for Brunson. Shamit, Payne, Chris Paul, that's fine. Even Booker, I wouldn't necessarily take my chances. And that, that's going to be a little tougher if you can't get on those guys. That's if they're in, they're switching on him, though. If they're playing the pick and roll straight up, more Brunson touches. And they're going to. They're not just going to switch everything, I don't think. But they may on Brunson. Who knows? That could be Monty's strategy. That'll be something to see in, sec- in the second game. But I thought that Brunson, in the second half, he was 5 for 10. So he started getting going. And I know that's when the defense relaxes a bit. But Spencer Dinwiddie also. Did not. He was just a pedestrian. Did not touch the ball. He missed a layup when when Luca was out, and I was just like, "Oh my goodness, he's clearly out of rhythm." He only got four shots in the first half, missed them all, and you know Luca was carrying at the end of the second quarter, but Spencer only having four shots at the half. Jalen Brunson was you know one of six. I know that was foul trouble, but I just thought in the the first quarter it was was poor. You needed to get him going early. And now I'm not fully fully blaming that on Luca. It's got to be on Jason Kidd to some extent too. But I'm gonna stand by that. You know, second half I thought the Mavs played fine, but it's that first half to me. I, in terms of offense, I think the Mavs played fine in the second half. But in that first half, I just think that 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 was too Luca heavy. What, do you see this that shot chart I I talked to like the. All those possessions I just laid out, that was in chronological order. Those those were all the half-court possessions that the Mavs had in the first quarter. I just think that was that's too heliocentric. That looked like last year to me in, the, in that. But anyway, third quarter, fairly even. But the Phoenix Suns, you saw the Mavs make an adjustment, right? Less drop coverage, more just hard hedging and recovering. Taking, trying to take away Devin Booker's drive, trying to take away Devin Booker, Chris Paul, getting to mid-range. But the Suns do such a great job of moving the ball fast. And they have, obviously, they're small. They have Jay Crowder at the four and Mikhail Bridges and Devin Booker at the three. So and so if Devin Booker's on the ball, Chris Paul's one of those shooters and he'll move the ball quick and make the right decision or can penetrate and vice versa. And they were just moving the ball beautifully. Everyone was hitting threes. Finally, the Phoenix Suns, they were pretty due for a solid three-point shooting night and tonight they got one. 11 for 28 from deep. Also, Aiden, when he was getting the ball in the post or just on little pick-and-pop push shots. I'm sorry, not pick-and-pop pick or pick-and-rolls. Push shots, jumpers, whatever. Getting the ball, even one time, they hedge recovered, got the ball to a four-on-three kind of situation. Somebody tossed the ball to Aiton for mid-range in the corner. Not a three in the deep corner. Mid-range, cash. So the Suns were just making him pay. 27-23 in favor of them in the quarter, and the Mavs started looking tired, missing threes, and you could just see the toll getting taken on Luka. He was getting a little fatigued, looked like he was grabbing, he got hit in the... uh, what was it? In the leg area. And he looked like he was limping for a second and just looked a little bit tired. Book was, I thought Devin Booker, even though he got real, he went really cold in the second half. And that's something that he's, I've noticed a couple of times this season, starting to go cold in second halves. You can start out games electric, but he needs to find a way to, because you know what happens is I think he gets tired and he starts settling for jump shots. 
and can't get to the rim as much as the beginning of the game, but he needs to continue to be aggressive. I don't know if that's a conditioning thing or a decision-making thing. But again, this goes back to why I think part of the reason why I think Kobe Bryant is so underrated, his conditioning at the end of games was like, he grew as the game went on. That was special about him. And that's something that you don't talk about when you talk about better passing, better shooting, better defense, that categorizes that shit. No. Devin Booker, though, was still creating great shots for the team. Don't get it twisted. Great shots for the team. The problem is, though, they, this, the Mavs getting burned on that defense. Ayton was dominant. Suns hitting everything. And in the fourth quarter, you saw a little bit of a push. But it was snuffed out towards the end. Brunson got going better. Dinwiddie, I'm pretty sure he was 3 for 4 in the second half. He finished 3 of 8. So he was better. And the Mavs made a little run when it was already over. Luka Doncic had 45 points on 15 for 30 shooting, so 50%, played 44 minutes, 4 for 11 from deep, created a ton of good shots for his team, 12 rebounds, 8 assists, 5 turnovers though, I still think it was too much Luka ball, too much Luka ball, he's going to get tired, I don't think he's going to be able to close games with that kind of, when he's working, like make no mistake, those were that, that was a very efficient night, a lot of points, but it was not easy man, I guarantee you he's feeling it right now, that wasn't easy, they gave him a tough time, and I think they're going to need more district, more, they got to move the ball a little bit more. You know what I'm saying? Get the ball moving a little bit before you start getting into that stuff instead of pound, pound, and then get into that stuff. By the way, JaVale McGee had a big time play in the fourth, ripped Luka, and went all the way for a Statue of Liberty dunk. It was big time. But, you know, Dallas tightened up the defense in the fourth. That's going to be something they can look at and say, hey, we play a little bit like this, even though Phoenix took their foot off the gas, play a little bit like this, we could have a chance in game two. And I don't think that this game was the Suns uh, the Mavs to win. I think this was fully a game for the Suns to win. They were the better team from second one. And now we'll read the lines. By the way, the Mavs outscored the Suns 35-25 in the fourth quarter. But I, that was really, as I said, with the Suns taking their foot off the gas. Campaign's performance warranted more minutes tonight. He got 19 minutes. Chris Paul actually had 29 minutes. He didn't actually play as much as you'd think. So good. I, I, I admire Monty for wanting to play campaign and give him more confidence and I also admire Chris Paul for sitting on that bench not making a big scene about it or anything and stayed efficient and did his thing the Phoenix Suns win it 121 to 114 they take a one nothing lead in the series they only turn the ball over nine times the Mavericks only turn the ball over eight times but five of those are from one guy Luca and the Suns got 30 points off the bench Cameron Payne nine points on four for eight shooting and five assists JaVale McGee, four points, two for three. And then Cam Johnson in 24 minutes of play, he had 17 points. He was really hot from three in the second half. Made three of them out of six and six for 10 from the field. So 60% shooting, 50% from three and great defense for Cam. Also five rebounds. Great night for him. For the starters, Jay Crowder didn't score in the second half. He had 11 points, eight rebounds, three assists. Part of why is because Cam Johnson had 24 minutes. Jay had 28. So you saw a good amount of Cam in that second half. Mikael Bridges was just amazing, as usual. Two blocks. He had this one block on a closeout, getting out to a jump shooter, and tossed a shot into the corner. I think it was Finney Smith. Just amazing defense. Work, making Luca work hard. Cutting to the basket. And just being a threat in transition. 13 points, 7 rebounds, 4 assists, a steal in 2 blocks, 0 turnovers. He was plus 7 in 42 minutes of play. 4 for 9 from the field. 1 for 3 from deep. 4 for 4 from the line. Chris Paul, 19 points, 5 rebounds, 3 assists. So you see he was not as ball dominant as, as usual. Only because he partly because he also played 20, 29 minutes. And it's good to give him a little bit of a rest. 
after he worked so hard in the first series. 7 for 13 shooting, 2 for 5 from deep. And then Devin Booker, he had a really good game to me. Just went cold as the game went on. Played good defense too. 23 points, 9 rebounds, 8 assists, and only 1 turnover. 7 for 20 shooting. So that's only 35%. That can be better. 1 for 5 from deep. A lot of jump shots as the, as the game went on. 8 for 8 from the line though. As And then Aiton, the player of the game for me. 25 points, 8 boards. No turnovers, 12 for 20 shooting, so 60%. No threes attempted. I'd like to see him get to the free throw line a little bit more, though. Only one free throw. And then the Mavs, they shot really well from deep. It was what was keeping them in the game. 16 for 39, 41% from deep, but 18 for 25 from the line. Maxi Kleba missed three free throws, two for five. And then Luka missed three free throws, 11 for 14, but you'd expect that. Maxi Kleba, 19 points, six for nine shooting, five for eight from three. I thought he was awesome. Davis Bertans only played eight minutes, three points, one for two from three. Those were all his shots. Spencer Dinwiddie, eight points, three for eight shooting. They're going to need to get it in 30 minutes. So if, the fact that he only got eight shots in 30 minutes, you know how Spencer is. Got to get him more involved next game. Finney Smith, 15 points, six boards, five for 10 shooting, and two for six from deep. If I'm not mistaken, though, a good amount of those were towards the end. I thought Finney Smith could have been better. I think he's had better games this playoffs. I don't think he was bad necessarily. Reggie Bullock, he was in foul trouble the whole game. Fouled out. Seven points, two for seven from the field, all threes. Just didn't think he could find a rhythm rhythm because of the fouls. Dwight Powell only played 16 minutes. So there's not much to say there. Jalen Brunson, 13 points, four rebounds, three assists, six for 16 from the field. He needs to get going more early. They need to look for that. And then, and then Luke, as I said, 45-12-8. 15 for 30 from the field, 4 of 11 from deep, 11 for 14 from the line. The rebounding battle, 36 to 51 in favor of Phoenix, 13 to 7 on the offensive glass. And two two offensive rebounds for Crowder, 3 for Bridges, 3 for Aiton, 3 for Booker. So rebounds, 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 no rebounds, no rings. You're seeing how many, I would love to take a tally of all these games and see how many teams win. Like, what the record is of the teams that win the rebound battle in the playoffs. Because it seems like almost every single game, the rebound battle, the team that wins the rebounding battle wins. At least maybe 75%. By the way, the Suns, 27 assists to the the Mavs, 16. That tells you something as well. And yeah. But that's it for me tonight, guys. As for the Mavs, I think they got to go a little bit more switch heavy, honestly. They really got to, I think they got to trust their one on one defense, make them work deeper into the shot clock, and then make them drive and kick a little bit more than just making the reads on the pick and rolls. And then I also think get the, t- the other guys more involved. The Sixers, they're just screwed without Embiid, really. But anyway, that's it for me tonight, guys. Thanks for joining me. Super Chats are turned on if you want to drop a dollar a dime. Leave a review if you'd like and let me know what I can do better. Let me know what you want to see. And we'll be back tomorrow night for Game Two's Memphis Golden State. And my favorite series, Boston-Milwaukee, need the home teams to get a win. We saw the opposite of last of yesterday. Both home teams got the win tonight. But good night, everybody.